Hello. All right. At peace in your own skin. So if you see a little boy's face in these photographs, just take that out and put in the face you want to see. Your kids or yourself. Someone that you care about. Someone that you uh, are working with. So just disregard what my kid looks like and uh, visualize the face that you want to see. All right. Because you see the, uh, you've heard that phrase, the proof is in the pudding, right? And um, that's what we would want. That, that metaphorical, the picture here, the swimming pool with the purple noodle. To have, um, have your kids be at that much peace in their own skin. And for you to be at peace. For me to be at peace in my own skin. No matter what happens, you know, we're not overwhelmed by our emotions. We're not lost in the overthink of the logic and the rationalizations. We can be in the moment. We can be motivated. We can be mindful. We can be brave. We can be courageous. We can be um, aware of any other emotions that we're carrying at the same time, letting go of the baggage, keeping the good stuff, but just being at peace with the day. Okay, let's go on to the next one. So if you have a child or you're working with someone who's got the sensory integration uh, challenges of oral um, or fine motor or even gross motor, and sometimes they're sensory seeking and other times they're sensory averse, and you go, how can this possibly be? How can one person not make up their mind like that? <laughs> well, it's because the dendrites and the data is not flowing consistently, right? And then some days it's either overly efficient and other days it's underly efficient. Um, and I can prove it, well, at least in one case, because this little kid here, I've had to actually manhandle him to shove that ice cream cone in his mouth <laughs> to actually take a bite of it. All right, so this is a post, uh, a social media post from, uh, let's see, 14, so six years ago, uh, at, at the time I'm recording, but uh, in 2014. And it's the, it's the first time he stuck his tongue into the ice cream cone. You know, I mean, he, he might kind of pretend on top, but uh, anyway, he ate the, the whole cone. And to many of you, you go, so what? It is no big deal. And I can tell this is right after vacation Bible school um, because of the t-shirt and the craft that he's wearing. Um, or some kind of school event. Something happened. Um, anyway, it's in October. So, But that kid finally decided he was going to stick his tongue into the ice cream cone. So you see, that's I've tried to force that over the years, but then I've also learned forcing too hard is going to give me not what I want for him. And so sometimes I just stand there. And I hold this, or make him hold, make him hold this ever soggier ice cream cone <laughs> until he decides he's going to do something with it. You know, there's the trash can buster, or you're going to take a bite out of it. What are you going to do? You're not just going to walk away from it because that would be his avoidance. That's when the sensory averse kicks in, right? Sensory seeking, oh yeah, I want the ice cream. And it's the stuff that's piled up on top that's easy to get to. But oh my goodness, now it's down inside that, that horrible container, that nice chewy cake, sweet cookie kind of container. And now what am I going to do about it? So you know what? I'll just walk away. I'll just leave it on the table or I'll just hope that mom's going to fix it. 
<laughs> We've done that to many an ice cream cone. Anyway, making progress. So that's wonderful. And that's why we do interventions. And that's why you pay attention to your child's methylation and you push the neural pathways and you push their, their, um, their own choices, their motivation. You know, it's not like he is motivated to not want to eat the ice cream cone. That's fear and trembling that you see there, which is hard to believe, right? That a kid would have fear and trembling regarding an ice cream cone. Um, but it does happen. All right, so for them to be happy enough to say, screw it, I'm just going to take a big old bite out of this ice cream cone and it'll be gone, which is basically the way that you and I attack an ice cream cone, right? Okay, let's go on to the next picture. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, so um, John goes to, uh, I remember this day. My friend Wendy is one of the moms back there, and it was the first time he had actually, um, is this what the text says here? Uh, so he actually goes into the, 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 the bouncy castle place, right? The loud sensory overwhelmingness. He actually gets into the room. Do you have kids like that? You might be able to get him into the, into the door, the entrance door, but then can you get him into the play area? Oh, and then now the next door to go through is to get him into the eating area where the gifts are, where they're going to be sitting and, 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 and eating and it's going to be quieter. And now the social modeling kicks in more. Oh, and then they have cups and plates and they have food on those cups and plates and the kids are chowing. And, and this, the reason that I posted this was that this is the first time he's ever taken a drink of soda pop from an open cup um, after the wild and crazy party. So again, you would say, why would I care? Why is this any big deal? Well, you know, um, for some of us, soda pop is a, is a taste that, you know, he hasn't developed. And at this stage, age 13, he has zero cavities. So that's great. He'll choose water. But he was just curious enough at this party to reach over, grab that cup, open cup, and drink. So all the oral motor and the fine motor to lift it and to know when not to dump it all over his shirt... And, uh, and then to set it back down, and then to do that again, and then to eat the pizza, and to stay in the room when, in, in all the times previous, he was not making uh, that kind of achievement. So this was a big day, a big day, a pretty cool day. Okay, let's go on to the next picture. Okay, so have you ever had um, your child involved in um, what is the equivalent in the public school system of celebrating Halloween? They call it storybook parade. And typically what will happen is the gymnasium will fill up with all of the wild yelling parents and then the kids are wearing their, it's not always their Halloween costume, but what they do is they say, pick your favorite book, dress like a character in that book, and so they're linking it to the education as well as the costume. Then the kids have to line up in the hallway and then they might come in, um, well here, single file, right? And in the very early years of kindergarten, uh, John was petrified, and he had a very simple book. Um, in this case, he's got some little, I, I, he, I don't see him carrying it, but there is some kind of a Buzz Lightyear book I got him. No telling where that thing went. It's not easy to find a Toy Story book, right? But anyway, he's wearing his little costume, and he's not being f accompanied He's uh, in line with the other kids. That's a smile on his face. And yes, he's twisting his fingers, which is the standard litmus test for John, that sensory uh, trouble is going on the inside. And he'll twist them all up and um, 
make them all curved. Um, his fingers are long and slender and, and kind of curved <laughs> to this day. Um, I can always tell. But uh, um, this was probably fourth grade. And he wants to be in the room. He's not cowering behind a teacher's aide or a paraprofessional. And he made it all the waiting in the hallway. So this whole point about being at peace in your own skin, what we desire for our children is that they can just mainstream activities, right? Maybe if not gen ed in all ways, then for sure curricular least restrictive environment and socially mainstreamed as much as possible, um, participating in the extracurriculars as can be. So um, here, yeah, he made it through the waiting, the waiting, the waiting, the waiting, the waiting. And then it's the, his uh, class's time to come through. So there's still more waiting and he's matching his peers and he's paying attention to what's going on and he's doing it on his own. And that's a happy face. So this is actually years of, let's see, we started when he was age two and what's fourth grade? Um, 11, 10, 11, I kind of forget. Anyway, it's been years of interventions to get that sensory averse part somewhere else at least temporarily, so he can make it through the hallway and enjoy the loud music and the waiting and the stopping and the waiting and the stopping and watching the other kids and trying to pace himself. And this is why you would want to continue on and be faithful and hang in there, even when you say, you want to give up. Please don't give up on your kids. Please don't give up on the neural pathways. There's going to be some way to just find a safety valve for that day if you have to step away from the project for just a little bit of time, but make it their job and give them opportunity to stretch and put them in uncomfortable situations and change up the pitch on them. All the time, I break John's routine. All the time, I purposefully will start him in one direction. Oh, wait, stop. And I'll back up and I'll make him wait or I'll get him to come back or I'll do anything to, to twist him up. And then he gets used to that type of chaos in life. I do not do picture schedules with him anymore. We'll do a paper list, but I really want him to remember that list in his head to visualize it. So we're trying to fade all of the prompts. We're trying to fade all of the, the interventions as much as possible so that he'll be able to fit into the type of life that these kids are headed toward. Okay, let's see what the next one is. Alrighty, so this will probably be um, sixth grade, perhaps, some version of something like that. I don't know if this, I'm not sure the year, it doesn't really matter. It's just older than the one you just looked at. So in that, we moved up from Buzz Lightyear to Jackie Chan here. <laughs> and um, he's got his little karate book uh, or Taekwondo or whatever it is. The hallway is narrow. The kids are waiting. It's loud. There's anticipation. There's adrenaline. There's more waiting and there's loudness and there's modeling and excitement and chit chat and sit down and stand up and wait and hot and steamy and anticipation and adrenaline. And he's okay. He's not guided there by anybody else. He's just in the flow of the line. And um, that's awesome. That looks like one of his inclusion classes. So what we did have done with the schools that he's been to since uh, elementary, so in intermediate and now at junior high school, we, we negotiate for every single second of peer in inclusion time. And that would be before school, after school, riding the bus, 
any kind of specials, any kind of lunch, any kind of therapy. If you can do speech at the table in the lunchroom with, with peer uh, students, uh, in our junior high school, they actually have a credit class for the 7th and 8th graders that you can be a peer tutor, a peer buddy, a study buddy, and get credit for it. So we are actually extremely lucky and, and blessed in that there's always neurotypical peer models sitting around waiting to, and they choose, they want that, and they get credit for it, as they rightly should. And these kids are also coming from families of fabulous parents, right? Parents who are willing to let the kid... Um, take a class to do something good for the world. And it's excellent training. You know, I often say this to people, that we're raising the next generation of doctors and teachers and nurses and therapists and, and people that are going to be helping the world become a better place because we're using the peer modeling. And, and that's going to catch the kids on fire. My kid is ignited by peer modeling, showing off showing off for the little girls, you know, or trying to hang in there with the boys. Um, he's, he's absolutely done trying to impress any adults, hardly. I mean, maybe a few of his teachers, but in those days of trying to impress or do something because mom says, <laughs> or um, he's not a pleaser. Is your kid a pleaser? Really? That'd be awesome. Have a pleaser for a kid. <laughs> uh, not all kids are pleasers. Anyway, so uh, again, back to the point. At, at peace in their own skin, right? And so there's that trigeminal area. See that bandana around the head, right? And then the, the attempt at fine motor with trying to tie those knots of the belt. And then the, the tunic has little ties on either side. So that's a constant state of reminder of fine motor effort. Um, he'll, he'll give it a shot, but it's really more just kind of twisting, and, twisting them together and hoping they stick, <laughs> which is fine for the attempt, but it doesn't really cut it. Um, but... Uh, Anyway, okay, next slide. Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, trigeminal uh, nerve system, uh, oral motor defensive, not, or yeah, yeah, oral motor, right, because it's in the head. So haircuts, uh, are haircuts easy at your house with kids? Um, for so many years, man, I couldn't, I couldn't get a haircut to that kid, and I'd have to kind of sneak up on him, um, either when he was sleeping or maybe in the bathtub, and he always looked at the ragamuffin, you know. And uh, then one day I just was desperate, and so I made him come with me, and he had to sit there nicely while Mom got a haircut. And Miss Dell, bless her heart, she's the lady there on the left-hand side, and then the one on the right is Miss Monica. So Miss Dell uh, is watching John, and he's interested. And I say, hey, do you, do, 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 do you, you want a haircut? And he is excited beyond belief to go get his own haircut. So you never know what your child will, will be brave enough to try. And so one of the best things that, that I say is, I'll stand there, I'll watch him. I'll watch to see if there's something in the eye that says, hey, he's interested. You can see body language. You may not get this, the expressive language out, right? But you can sure tell by how they behave. And then I'm going to allow time and I'm going to say, hey, you want to try that? And then before you know it, he'll be sitting there with that thing wrapped around him. And they're working on him with the scissors, and he's watching himself in the mirror. And he's getting a store-bought haircut. And I cried that day, guys. That was like the, an amazing thing for him to get a store-bought haircut. And then since then, any time now, he'll tell me his hair is too long. And then I'll ask him, okay, do you want to go to the store, or do you want me to do it? And now he plays with the, the buzzes, the buzzers, you know, the buzz clippers. And uh, we've come such a long way with the hair. But 
to be at peace in your own skin to accept that, that's a really big litmus test. Um, so if, uh, and, and, and dental, right? So t- brushing your teeth, getting your hair cut, getting the shampoo. Um, now, cutting your fingernails is a different kind of thing because in many cases that's the motor control to run that little machine. It's not so much that you can't stand to get your fingernails cut. But for some reason, he would always throw a hissy fit about his toenails. I'm not sure why that was. But it was it was more that... Um, uh, that he couldn't do the clipping different from I can't stand to have this stuff around my head. But these are really important self-grooming habits. And so uh, many a time I'll look down at his fingers and I'll go, oh my gosh, somebody needs to cut that kid's fingernails, right? Or the haircut's a little bit more obvious. And then I'm thinking, gosh, I hope his teachers don't think that nobody loves him. <laughs> And then while I'm working with them hand over hand, so today is Sunday, we did our cleaning. So it was a little bit of hand over hand with the motor control of the uh, um, uh, motor function of the wrapping of the vacuum cord and trying to go up and back and up and back. And then once he got off the carpet and headed toward the, 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 um, the, har- the wood floor, the tile floor, where there's no boundaries, he was like, woohoo, a wild man on a horse trying to run that vacuum cleaner around the house. And I just let him. Because I was awful hard on him with this, trying to do the carpet the right way. Because if I if he I left him to his own devices, I'd have a have a bald carpet. I'd have a bunch of dirt, and then one little spot on that carpet where it's just been now. I have all the the all the tread the threads sucked out. All right. Anyway, I don't know. Got on a tangent there. Oral motor, something about today about the we were working on toenails and fingernails and grooming and independence and. Um, uh, just looking like you are well-kept. People make first impressions, right? So I'm sure there were many a, 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 an adult that would look at my ragamuffin kid with the scraggly whatevers because it was always a fight for personal grooming. And I'm sure they wondered what kind of a mother I was. And I'm sure he felt a, a bit of shame compared to the other kids in the class. And what if the other kids in the class were ashamed of him too? So then we have the self-fulfilling prophecy of that he's just not quite good enough. So our self-esteem, the, ki- the, the self-esteem of our kids extends to grooming. Okay. All right, let's move on. All right. So here, this is an actual an intervention with one of our biomedical doctors. And it's, it kind of fits in with if you ever have to take your kid to get an x-ray. I did a blog post on that or to get blood pressure done or into the dentist's office somewhere that they have to sit still and they have to have somebody fuss with them. In this case, they're shoving some ear um, uh, earplugs and some their, they make beeping noises. And so the idea was to conf- to check the constriction of the ear canal for different tones. And this was one of the ways that uh, our first biomedical doctor would use evidence-based data, not from blood and not from genetics. This was pre-genetics. Uh, we didn't have the, uh, the uh, um, technology back then. But they would, they would measure the ears and how they contracted and then make some um, evidence-based extrapolations on his uh, methylation and the myelination and the immune system and the neurotransmitters and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I remember in those early years, it was maybe every three months, every four months, then every six months. And I always dreaded it because I'd have to hold this kid down because he was screaming bloody friggin' murder because somebody was, these little beeps were going off in his ears. He was so sensitive. 
Now, we've done a full court press on quantum reflex integration over the years and a full court press on biomedical and neurotransmitters and good nutrition and sensory integration. And so this kid is a walking example of somebody who's at peace now evermore with his, in his skin. But, oh, there was so many years when he wasn't. So many years when he wasn't. So anyway, at least I don't have to wrestle him anymore. And thank God for that because I'd worked up a sweat. And then he's yelling and screaming and the data's no good and they have to do it again because if he's, he can't hear the beeps and it, it corrupts the, 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 um, the, the graph, the data they're trying to pull out of him. Okay. Anyway, it says here, first time in six years? Holy cow. So five years ago when this post was made, then back up five more years. So 11 years ago, we started doing this stuff, which makes sense because he's 13 now and we started when he was two. So it took six years. So that would be three times a year or twice a year. And I would be wrestling with him to hold him down, the screeching, the, the whole body movement, the wrestling with a bear. It's the first time in six years that he could do those ear tolerance tests all by himself. And yes, we would play the earphones game, but... Um, here we go. Took six years. <laughs> Dang gummit. Wow. Okay. Next one. Alrighty. So this is go. This is the uh, Go Fish, the fourth grade musical. Now I have to tell you something about elementary. If you are in the public school system, they are going to have electives, uh, extracurriculars, fine arts in uh, maybe third grade for sure, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, and they're going to let everybody in. And so I had not taken advantage of that. I actually did not know that John could sing and would perform. But one Christmas, he was sitting at a Chick-fil-A with all of our little kiddos that we did our Friday afternoon playgroup with neurotypicals. And every Friday afternoon, I'd pick up a car full of our little buddies and off we would go on some kind of an adventure. And I remember it was Christmas time and they were sitting there and they were doing and I remember the motion, um, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry... And he was participating. And I sat there watching him and I thought, holy crap, my kid can sing. What's the matter with me? I'm missing out on choir. So I hit up the choir teacher to, mid, to come in mid-year. And of course, it was the answer was no. Um, but this was, this was the musical that the class did. So different than choir. And then once we got into fifth and sixth grade, we signed up for the everybody gets to make the band or, or, or if there is such a thing. Well, now in seventh grade, they do call it concert band four. So, you know, it's the bottom of the totem pole. But um, hey, they get to perform and they get their little tuxedos and they get to show up and they, you know, John's been on some amazing venues and some amazing stages just because we show up. We showed up for choir, mixed choir, the, the one that everybody makes. And then we showed up for um, uh, band, the one that, that the people would make. And anytime there was an opportunity, we would say, yes, we would earn it. We would prove. Many a time he had to prove that he could behave in the right way. But you see that face right there? That's an alternate assessment for a kid that may not have the expressive sentences. And so for our kids that are shades of gray, they're not totally lost in the corner and they're not totally neurotypical. But because we're using so many interventions and we're working so hard with them, they have one foot in gen ed and one foot in specialized instruction, one foot in stemming and one foot in not. And so that face there, they actually gave him a special job. You can see there in the text of the, of the post that's back in um, 2015. Uh, 
So Go Fish is the musical, and he actually got the job of um, when there was a there was a certain clue that was in the music, and twice he was the one, and they, they did such a kind thing to him because they knew how hard he was trying and how much he wanted it. So he was in charge of leading the pack from left to right, left stage to right stage, across the stage, and then another time from right to back, back to left sta uh, hand stage. And so... Um, and uh, there's a little picture down in the bottom right-hand corner, and I say there in the in the text of the post that he he knew where I was sitting. And as he ran by in the middle of this performance, he looked me dead in the eye, and that that light. Have you ever seen your kids light up because they're filled with so much joy, they're filled with so much in the flow, and and they've forgotten that they're different, and and they realize that life is great, and I'm happy to be alive. And this, this is a good moment, you know? And so he looked me dead in the eye. And, and um, anyway, it's just been a, a, all those kids, and, and we work at it. We, we work at explaining and sharing, and, and it's a good time in history to help the, for the neurotypical peers to, to have a good heart. Anyway, so this was Go Fish. And he just was so excited, and it was a performance to everybody. It was a packed gymnasium, fourth grade. And they had a lot of singing, and I took videotape of the whole thing. This was one of the best stills from it. Um, and that's what we would hope for your kid, right? They would have that kind of joy, that kind of at peace in their own skin. So these are just some examples. I hope that your heart of hearts has been putting in the face of somebody else. And it could be of any age. Um, sometimes we hold ourselves back because of fear of perfection of thinking that we're not good enough, of thinking that somebody's going to laugh at us, or thinking that we're going to let ourselves down, or some other nonsense, right? Um, all of that doesn't matter. So, you know, I'm a recovering codependent. I'm learning to free myself from everybody else's opinions and trying to please everybody else. So you put yourself up to the top of that totem pole or anybody else that you're trying to serve. And let's let go of the fear, let go of the need to be perfect and just go have a blast. Be at peace in your skin and stretch your boundaries and have joy in your day and be intrinsically motivated and be in the flow. Okay, peace be with you. All right, thanks you for your time. Bye-bye.